Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Well, today we're beginning a new chapter in the book of Romans, chapter 4. Let's be reminded that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter specifically to the church located in Rome, which is made up both of Jews and Gentiles. Probably there were unsaved Jews and unsaved Gentiles in the church. So he's writing to them specifically, but he knows that this letter will be read by unbelievers, unbelieving Jews and Gentiles. Uh, So uh, what he's doing is he's making his argument both to the Jews and Gentiles that we are all sinners and uh, we have no hope outside of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so what he does now in chapter 4 is he is, it seems to me that he's uh, zeroing in on the uh, the Jews because he's going to be talking about Abraham and uh, how that uh, Abraham was justified before God, and of course the Jews, that's the, you know, he's the father of the Jewish people. And uh, they, would, uh, they would be able to identify, of course, with, with Abraham. So uh, let's take a look at chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, notice he says our father, because Paul is a Jew himself. Uh, Abraham is the first Hebrew, or the first Jew. Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found, question mark. What shall we say then, that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. So if Abraham was justified by his works, he could pat himself on the back and say, you know, I've done these good works to please God, and and it would all bring glory to Abraham. But it wouldn't bring any glory to God. That's what he means here when he says, uh, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. God doesn't get the credit. Abraham would get the credit. For what saith the Scripture? Speaking of the Old Testament Scripture, and uh, he's talking here uh, about um, about Abraham. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God. Now, what it means here is not just a head belief. Abraham trusted God. What God told him, he believed not only intellectually but but spiritually as well by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. The word counted means it was credited to his account. God's righteousness was credited to Abraham's account, so to speak, because of God's faith in Abraham's work, in by Abraham's faith. Hang on, Abraham's faith in God's word meant that he would be made righteous. He would get the righteousness of God because of his faith. I need to slow down, don't I? So uh, he says, For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted, or imputed, or put on his account for righteousness. So Abraham had no righteousness of his own. His faith uh, was 
was imputed to him, uh, God's righteousness was, because of his faith. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now he's simply saying here that if Abraham thought that his salvation depended upon his works, uh, then uh, he wouldn't. It wouldn't be his reward. Would not be because of grace. Wouldn't be the grace of God. It'd be of debt. In other words, Abraham uh, would uh, get the glory, and 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 God would get none of the glory. Now, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So he's saying here, you can't. You know. Uh, uh, you, you can't mix the debt and grace both. You're either saved by grace or you owe God a debt. Okay? But, verse 5, to him that worketh not. Now we can apply this to, to Gentiles as well. But he's speaking specifically to Jews here. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Who's that? Well, believes on, on, on Christ that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So, notice it says to him that worketh not, you cannot do good enough works to get to heaven. Salvation is by grace through faith, according to the Bible. And uh, it's Christ that justifies the ungodly, and we are all ungodly before we're saved. There's none righteous, no, not one. Now then, uh, Paul is going to bring David into the narrative. You know what Paul is doing here? He is anticipating the arguments that uh, those that would read this letter to the Romans, that they might have the questions or arguments they might have against salvation by grace through faith. So he's more or less crossing these bridges um, before, uh, you know, uh, before he gets to the main thing. And that's what he means here when he says, even as David also describeth the blessedness of man to whom God imputeth righteousness without works. So David, whom the Jews had a lot of uh, confidence in and respect for, uh, David said under inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, that... Uh, God imputes or God reckons righteousness without our works. So how was Abraham saved? By faith. How was David saved? By faith. So both he's saying to these Jewish people, both Abraham and David understood it. Now do you understand it? Uh, and goes on to say in verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, or sins are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So happy is the man, or the man is blessed, whom God imputes his righteousness to, but he does not impute sin to. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So the point is, if you have repented of your sin and received Christ as your Savior by faith, he has imputed God's righteousness to you, and God will, will never then impute your sin to you. Your sin is taken away. It's forgiven. The sins are covered. How? By your faith and trust in Jesus Christ.
Verse 9. Cometh the, this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, on the Jews only, or upon the uncircumcision, the Gentiles also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now, what's the point he's making here? Well, he's making this point. That that Abraham was a Gentile before he became a Jew. That Abraham was uncircumcised and that Abraham received the promises of God and he put his faith in God before he ever got circumcised. Which is proving that uh, that uh, it's faith that pleases God. And Abraham, before he was circumcised, before God gave him, the, gave him the sign of circumcision for the Jewish people, it was before that that he believed God, and God counted it for righteousness. How then was it reckoned, verse 10, when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. I've just explained that. He believed God before he got circumcised. Then Paul writes, and he received the sign of, watch this, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Let me see if I can put this in in um, our everyday words. Uh, Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. And this it was a seal. The circumcision was a sign or a seal of his righteousness by faith. Uh, and it says, which he had yet been uncircumcised. So he had faith before he had circumcision. The circumcision simply uh, confirmed his faith, all right? That he might be the father of all them that believe. All means all Jews, all Gentiles, because at that time he was still a Gentile. He was not considered a Jew until he was circumcised. Though they be not circumcised, in referring to the, the Gentiles, that righteousness might be imputed unto them and to the Gentiles also. Why? Because of their faith. Not because of circumcision. The physical circumcision had nothing and has nothing to do with righteousness. It was an act of obedience of Abraham, but he had already put his faith in God and God's word while he was yet a Gentile, uncircumcised. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only. That would be the Gentiles. He's the father of circumcision to them. Now, now, now watch this. Who are not of the circumcision, uh, circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith. Whose faith? Abraham's faith. The faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. Now, what's it saying? It is saying that faith is the thing. Abraham had faith in God before he was circumcised, and that 
everyone, Jew or Gentile, who has the same faith in God. Faith is nothing more than believing God's word. It's just believing God, whatever God says. Abraham had that faith before he was circumcised. Now then, if I express the same faith, then God's righteousness is imputed to me just like it was imputed to Abraham. So it makes no difference. It's true that circumcision differentiated the Jews from the Gentiles. It was a sign of the covenant, but it had nothing to do with their salvation. It's just like baptism does not save us. Water baptism does not save us, but it certainly is a an advertisement, or if you want to say a sign that we have uh, trusted Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection as, uh, as the, we're brought up out of the water. But it's faith that God is looking for. Faith in him. Faith in his word. Now look, look at verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. The law hadn't even been given yet. That wouldn't happen until Moses came along. But through the righteousness of faith. Notice that. Righteousness of faith. True faith produces righteousness. And it we acquire God's righteousness by our faith, complete faith and trust in him, uh, of course, we in this dispensation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we look back at Calvary. Uh, the Old Testament saints look forward to Cal Calvary. That's the only difference. We're all saved by faith. Verse 14, for if they which are of the law be heirs. So what you're saying is, what it's saying is that if you think you can keep the law that you, you know, you Jews that claim you have the law and, and you think that's going to be sufficient. For if they which are of the law, the Jews be heirs, then faith is made void. You know, if you, if you can keep the law and have salvation, you don't have any need for faith. It's just like today. If you think you can live good enough or do good enough to merit salvation, then you don't need faith. You don't need faith in Christ. You don't need Christ. You can do it by yourself. We say, well, that's silly. No, it's not silly. Salvation is either completely because of the Lord or you don't have salvation. Now watch this. For Verse 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. So God's um, uh, promise to Abraham, his covenant with Abraham, whatever, be none effect. If faith is not involved in it, it's, it's of no value. Because the law worketh wrath. What does that mean? Well, it means that if you're trying to make it by the law, which you cannot keep, nobody can, only one person ever has, and that's the lawgiver, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in your effort to try to keep the law of God, which is perfection, you'll never do it. So what's your reward? The wrath of God. Keep make it by keeping the law. Then he says, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. So, uh, you know, you can't br break a law that's not there. But watch this. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. 
What is by faith that it might be of grace? Salvation. Uh, the law worketh wrath. You're not going to be saved by keeping the law. You've got to come to the conclusion you can't do anything, keeping the law or whatever, in order to attain salvation. Because it is of faith that it might be by grace. You've got to come before God and, and uh, a sinner that's uh, admitting that he or she cannot save themselves by keeping doing good works or keeping the law, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, because salvation is by grace through faith. He says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only, not to that only which is of the law, or the Jews only, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he's saying, look, whether you be Jew or Gentile, it's your faith in God and his word, taking God at his word, that's going to save you. Okay? It's the faith of Abraham. Do you have the faith of Abraham? Abraham had faith, he believed God, and God accounted that to him for righteousness. All right? As it is written, verse 17, I have made thee a father of many nations. Of course, that's in the book of Genesis where, where Abraham was uh, told that. Genesis 17, 5. I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead. Now, he's making a reference here to the resurrection power of God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. It's only God that can do that. You know, uh, we have uh, charismatic friends that love to claim this verse. Uh, no, uh, it's God that calleth those things which be not as though they were. It's not me. It's not you that calleth that. It's God. God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not even uh, though they were. So a good illustration would be creation. God spake and it, it came into being, according to Psalm 33, verse 9. And uh, so only God has that kind of power to raise the dead and to call things which not even be. You see, you say, well, where did, uh, where did matter come from? God called it into existence. Where the stars come from? God called them into existence. Where did everything on planet Earth come from? God called them into existence. Where did all the planets and the stars and the, the galaxies and, and uh, where did the, everything in the universe come from? God called it into existence. Even though none of it, none of it uh, was there in the beginning. Remember, the Bible says in the beginning God created, which presupposes God was there before the beginning. God is the first cause of everything. Well, it gets better. <laughs> Let's go on. He says in verse 18, Who against hope, speaking of Abraham again, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So God made Abraham a promise you know, God made him this promise when he was probably about 75 years old. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Made him this promise. 
and he would not have a child. God promised him a child, but it would be 25 years before he'd ever have that child. He wouldn't have the child till he was 100 years old. But he believed God. Now, now watch this carefully. Uh, verse uh, <coughs> verse 18. Actually, verse 18 is just a, a uh, illustration of calling those things which be not even uh, 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 th though they were. Who against hope, Abraham, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. God spoke it, so shall thy seed be. And be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Well, he's 75 years old, but he didn't consider uh, himself impotent, not able to have children, because God promised he would. If he lived to be 300, it wouldn't make any difference. God promised it, and he had faith in God. Verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was ten years younger than Abraham. And so uh, at 99 years old, uh, Abraham got Sarah pregnant. She was 89. He was 99. I mean, but neither Sarah or Abram said to God, oh, it's not possible. We can't, we're too old to have children. Uh, you, you know that Sarah had surely gone through the chains of life. It would be a miracle for them, for a 99 and 89-year-old couple to have a child. Oh, but with God, all things are possible. You know, we forget sometimes that, that the birth of Isaac was miraculous because biologically speaking, Abraham and Sarah were impotent. But God had another idea. Let's read the rest of it. The Bible says, He staggered not. You know what staggering is. You know, uh, we think of a drunk staggering. Well, he didn't stagger. He just stayed right on line with God, Abraham did. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. See, 25 years went by and he still hadn't had that child he was promised, but it didn't affect, affect his, his belief, his faith. But was strong in faith giving glory to God. And this is before he even had the child. And being fully persuaded, boy, I like this, verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able also to perform. If God says, and I give unto them eternal life, he's able to give us eternal life. You know, that's what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and I shall give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's John uh, 10, 28. And so we have the promise of never perishing because God said it, we believe it, that settles it. Now look at this. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So because of his faith in God and in God's word, even though it looked like it was hopeless, he still had hope. And because of that, God imputed or reckoned him righteous. God gave him his righteousness, gave Abraham God's righteousness because of Abraham's faith. 
And if he did it for Abraham, he'll do it for you. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. He's saying, same thing I just got through saying. If God did it for Abraham, he'll do it for us. But here's the, here's the catch. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. You know, that's, that, that is a, a prerequisite to, to salvation. If you want God's righteousness, you've got to believe what God says in his word about Jesus Christ. That God performed a miracle in raising Jesus from the dead, that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses. Jesus was, you know, he took upon him all of our sins, our offenses, our iniquities. That's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. By his stripes we were healed, not physically, but healed spiritually. Who was delivered for our offenses, now watch this, and raised again for our justification. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means Jesus could have been born, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, shed his blood, give the ultimate sacrifice, put in the tomb, and if that had been the end of the story, we couldn't be saved. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise because it's showing that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, and he did, he'll also raise us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior because we're in Christ. We are guaranteed a resurrection too. We'll get into that over in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, which is the, probably the greatest chapter in the Bible. But, uh, yeah, for our justification. He was raised for our justification. So we too could be justified. How? By our faith in him. I hope this is making sense to you because I've done my best to break it down and make it uh, where I think anyone that will be logical and, and uh, see this uh, uh, in a, a logical way will have to admit we're saved and we go to heaven because of our faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth and in him alone. And uh, because God has the power to, had the power to raise Jesus, we are promised he'll do the same thing for us if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus and in him alone. Well, that's all of chapter 4. I look forward to teaching Romans chapter 5 in our next session. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.